Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast of this week's One Life Left radio show. I'm Simon Byron. I am Steve Curran. We're back after our summer break. Uh, you have an hour's worth of, um, I don't know, uh, <laughs> a, a broadcastable uh, radio show to enjoy. Uh, mainly goes without hitch, apart from us forgetting, or well, us, me, forgetting that we had a section to do. Um, and so some of the uh, filling um, that I was doing in the middle because I was worried about having nothing to say turned out to be mean that we had a very hectic um, and sudden end to the show. So apologies I, for that. But I thought that was pretty good for a, a show after a big break. Like usually well, these are the ones we put in the bin. Like straight that. in the bin, far in the bin. in the bin. Um, no, we're recording uh, during Monday lunchtimes, uh, so a slightly different vibe. Um, however, new season, new us. And uh, for you, our podcast listeners, um, we need to tell you about something we're doing at the end of the month, which I uh, which we've agreed to do, um, mm. and uh, but I'm frankly terrified about. Uh, we are we'll be doing a special edition of the show live on the uh, Yogscast Twitch channel. On um, I'm not sure if it's been announced. Um, if it hasn't been announced, it's about to be um, on September the 26th. Steve and I will be in Bristol broadcasting live on the internet. Two of the oldest men in the country appearing on. Um, on a Twitch channel. Uh, which I think is... we're certainly the oldest men to ever be on Twitch. Yes, I, uh, that would be part of the record attempt. Now, um, mm. uh, it's during um, uh, a special week where all of Pickaxe's podcasts will be doing similar things. Now, they've invited us. I'm sure we were presumably right at the very end of list of people that they should invite <laughs> because I don't know why you would want two of us who very mm. much barely have voices for radio, let alone faces, um, onto a Twitch channel, a predominantly um, visual uh, medium, one which has reader, <laughs> reader, watcher, viewer, listener mm. interaction, um, which, you know, I've not had since the days when I was a journalist, and that was when we were doing them on Stone Tablet. So I'm, I'm a bit worried. Um, now, it's an hour and a half show, this one, Steve, and we did mention in Gamescom that we are going to need some, do, we are going to need to do some preparation. Yeah. What better way to do preparation than to ask others to do it for yourself um, <laughs> and so i was going to suggest um you know hopefully we have some long, younger listeners mm-hmm. listening to the podcast here can you tell us what we should be doing on the twitch channel when we broadcast live on the 26th please mm. that's it um we, it will be a version of the show uh, we should be able to watch live. Um, we'll be able to chat on the chat. Um, but we are going to need some some different things to chat about, I think. So, mm. look, if you've got any, um, you know, whenever I watch Twitch, it does feature some, 
you know, often some 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 heavy hitting language. So I think we can be a little freer and easier um, with you know what we say. I'm not sure certain we will actually podcast it. So may, maybe the only way to watch us will be to do it live. Um, but yeah, if you've got any thoughts on how we should behave or what we could do to make ourselves appeal to a Twitch audience, uh, please email us. Mm, we we do need some help because uh, it's going to be on us before we know it, right? That's three Absolutely. weeks Absolutely. Yep, mm. three weeks away and immediately after we'll have just done a show. So uh, we'll have, we'll have, yeah, it is absolutely perfect, isn't it? I think it's ideal conditions to, <laughs> to let the two oldest men on Twitch um, broadcast on the Yogscast channel. So yeah, look, you know, we do this for you. This bit is for you as our podcast listeners. This is the Pickaxe Podcast Week. We need your help. So we want you watching. Uh, mm. saying nice comments uh, because you know um anybody can watch yeah. if you can <laughs> if you can pretend to have never listened to us before just join just go what's what's this these are two men who aren't quite as old as they seem to be <laughs> and their opinions are very valid why i'll be listening to more of one life left but also uh, generally consuming pickaxe content much more because of the performance of these two men then that would be really helpful yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you've got stuff we can read out or stuff we can do, it's a visual show. So, again, yeah. if you want to play charades, uh, we'd be up for that. I mean, I don't yeah. know, we've got an hour and a half to film. Yeah, if you want to if you want to come on to the show and just pretend to be one of us or both of us and we can just be in the wings just doing our lines, that'd be good. We'll be good. Are we going to have uh, guests? Uh, we talked about in Germany we, um, and you said, uh, I think we said we'd ask um, probably James in. Okay. He's young. All right. He is young, isn't he? Right. Uh, show coming up. Thank you so much for listening. We're really, really pleased to be back, uh, despite how it may appear. Uh, here's the show. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are back and my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. We're One Life Left. It's a radio show about video games. Let's start as we mean to go on. How are you, Simon? Very well, thank you, Steve. Um, You know, kids are back at school. Certainly Mm -hmm. mine, one of mine is. Uh, so things are gradually returning to normal after the summer. Um, last time I saw you, Steve, mm-hmm. the morning of the last day I saw you, you had your top off. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's how I spent the summer, Simon. I spent a significant chunk of that summer with you. Beach body ready. We saw we saw each other for seven days in a row. Seven consecutive days. It was wonderful, wasn't it? It was perfect. Idyllic. What a great summer, even though it's been a terrible summer, which ironically, you know, <laughs> seems to have shifted right now as we en- enter autumn. We're recording on Monday afternoon and it is blazing hot right now. It's a hot, the hottest day of the summer. The sun's out. Kids are back at school. But we're back, Steve. We're back, 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 back. Did you have a nice summer? 
I think I did. I think I did. Notwithstanding the fact that I saw you for a lot of days in a row. Um, yeah, generally quite nice. Uh, nice days out with the family, hanging out with friends, seeing a bit of cricket, and of course, going to Gamescom. Yep, uh, that's that's counted for four of the days in a row I saw you, maybe. Mm, but not all of them. Not all of them. I then left you. You scurried off to uh, to the passport control very quickly. I got stuck behind um, some gentlemen from um, a digital retailer who were walking very slowly, which meant that another flight landed between me getting there and you getting there, which meant you were way ahead of me. Mm, I'll tell you what happened, Simon. I was on, you know, the, the short flight back from... Very Cologne. short, wasn't it? It's about an hour long. Um and slightly delayed takeoff. Uh, near me on the seat was a man from the games industry who did not stop talking for the entire journey. Uh, and I could not face being sat behind, uh, stuck behind him in the passport queue. So I, yeah, I was very, 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 very quickly. Very nimble, Steve, you are. Which, yeah, you know, having you. seen you with your, with your, your top, top off, off recently, <laughs> I can see, see that's where it comes from. What was he talking about? He was talking about footy, Simon. Oh, yeah. He was talking about footy. And I'm not going to say any more because to say any more would re- reveal um, which studio he works at. And, uh, you know, presumably there were lots of people on that flight talking about footy. Okay. Maybe you were, Simon. Maybe you were. I wasn't, actually. I was playing um, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Really? Are you going to talk about that later in the show when we get to no, the review I, section? Well, I mean, I can do, but I've, I've, only thinking about it then uh, reminded me that I had done that. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't played it since, and it was a very short flight. Well, we have a lot to catch up on today. I, I guess we'll talk about Gamescom in the uh, interview section because we don't have a we don't have someone to interview. Even though someone messaged me at Gamescom and said, "Can I come on the show?" Yes. Well, I thought, you know, we'd get, um, you know, back into the swing of things properly. Plus, it's a slight... Mm -hmm. So we are now recording at Monday lunchtime. So um, we'll have to see how that works for um, getting guests on. It can't be any worse than... (laughs) Can you get any worse than having no guests? Um, But I've played quite a few games as well over the uh, holiday. One in particular and one, a different one, I started over the weekend. So we'll talk about those in the review section as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, also had a quick... That's my doorbell. Hello. Is it, Hello. Is it the man? It's the man who said you can't talk about me talking about footy. <laughs> Sounded a, a bit like this would be a good conceit for the uh, for the show, wouldn't it be? Who's that at the door? Oh, look, it's <laughs> Charles Cecil. Welcome <laughs> in, Charles. How's it going? Um, but... Uh, no, it's not. I don't know who it is. Uh, so, um, yeah, I had to refresh Charles Bot over the holiday. Give him okay. A, uh, you've you've been curating his output as always. How's that gone? Not too bad. I mean, he seems to have one joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, maybe the AIs find this particular joke very funny. Um, we shall see. Me, 
Charles bought 1.1. As much as I'm itching to join the 230,000 players already exploring the cosmos in Starfield, my wallet is tighter than a hipster's skinny jeans. I just can't justify shelling out to play it early. Instead, I've invested my cash in something far more practical and amusing, a lifetime supply of glow-in-the-dark socks. Because who needs interstellar adventures when you can have a mini-rave in your footwear every night? The game, set to officially release on September 6th, has been lauded as the ultimate Bethesda game, and while I'm sure it's worth every penny, I'll be waiting for the full release. Meanwhile, my feet will be partying like it's 1999. <laughs> don't know what that means. Don't know what that means. Keep your feet to yourself, Charles. Um, Starfield's out, Simon. The is it though, Steve? Well, it is for um, the people who paid extra to be part of that early access ultimate program or whatever it's called, or those journalists lucky enough to receive a review copy well let's maybe talk about that uh shortly but yes starfield is out um mm. uh I, in, I did some air quotes there which is helpful for radio <laughs> uh and seems to be doing very well so this is a, an experiment it seems i because to call it early access um i mean you are getting access to it earlier than mm. the date that it's being released um so uh owners of the premium edition or the premium edition upgrade could start playing the game on the 1st of September uh, and the game officially launches on the 6th of September. They're calling it early access, but it's not early access in the way that you think of early access on Steam, which is where a game is unfinished. Uh, this is only unfinished in the way that Bethesda games tend to be, mm -hmm. um, as far as I can gather. But yes, uh, for... Um, like, I think the premium edition is like £100, um, mm -hmm. or you could pay like uh, £30 to, to uh, play it early if you're a game pass subscriber so it launches into game pass on oh. <laughs> on wednesday but if you wanted to play it earlier you could pay an extra 30 quid i steve very very fortunate this weekend i had me old mate round from iceland oh, really? <laughs> he, he what's, his name, Simon? what's his name <laughs> he, he popped over um my friend with us i don't he's a very private individual so i wouldn't <laughs> want to call him out here. he was out uh he was over from iceland this weekend and, he, and he's desperate to play starfield but he'd forgotten his login details uh so he, he had to play on my uh xbox account um he had to use my credit card as well actually which incurred two separate uh foreign transaction costs of 50 pence each. however that mm. did enable him to um access the early game pass version uh, um for, for just under 20 20 pounds mm. um he was very happy actually he's played really he's he's played a fair bit of it he said yeah um he's 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 had to go now I, i'm not sure i'll start a new save but uh <laughs> <laughs> he, was he was delighted um so maybe we'll talk about that later but yes uh, but looking at the concurrent players uh, mm. it does seem that uh, people are doing this um mm. and so uh, those 230,000 players that were playing concurrently obviously isn't everybody that's owning it because not everybody's only playing at the same time. So um, it's done very well in uh, in early access in inverted commas. Um, some people aren't happy with this practice um, in that, uh, yeah, this sort of pay to play early um, it's becoming more common. You can do it with um, uh, uh, EA Sports F uh, FC, knee FIFA. Um, EA seem to be quite uh, used to this, but this week long, so five days working week long, early access is new. Um, yeah, my Icelandic friend was 
was very happy with it, um, given that he's getting it in Game Pass anyway. He thought, well, you know, an extra seventeen pounds plus international charges uh, was was um, was was worth it. What is seventeen pounds in the Icelandic currency, your friend? I mean, he's just going to pay pallet to me, so I'm <laughs> sure sure it'll sort sort itself out. Excellent. Sony shares are certainly on the upswing after announcing a price increase for PlayStation Plus subscriptions, with a surge of up to 35% in some instances, effective from September 6th. Analyst Amit Garg estimates that this could potentially bag Sony an additional $688 million in sales and $378 million in operating profit annually. Despite the price hike, there's no mention of any added benefits for subscribers, which is akin to shelling out more for a pint but receiving the same quantity of beer. Meanwhile, PlayStation Plus Premium subscribers can anticipate cloud streaming for PS5 games once Sony has completed its testing phase. However, as much as I'd love to join the PlayStation Plus bandwagon, my wallet is tighter than a hipster's skinny jeans. I guess I'll just have to stick to playing games with my friends for free. After all, who needs online play when you've got the real deal? It's like having a virtual beer when you can enjoy a real one with your buddies and not pay a penny more for it. Uh, thanks. Just, just, just Charles wear hipster jeans? <laughs> no, I didn't notice. I, I keep my eyes above the waist. All the time <laughs> of course, of course. Charles, what? Um, yeah. yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, there's an outcry about uh, Sony um, upping its uh, PlayStation Plus tiers um, without seemingly any uh, sort of additional content or additional benefits or what have you, and people are disgusted. I'm not paying seven pounds extra to to you oh actually i will pay 30 pounds more to play a game five days early <laughs> i mean yeah the answer to people who are getting getting angry about it like that is don't subscribe then just don't don't do it yeah yes uh that is one counterpoint it is these um prices you know let's not forget that the sort of base level um is what's needed to play games online uh, mm. all of the consoles have um, a subscription service that you need to be able to play online with friends, something that was free with yep. all of them maybe three or four years ago. Mm. Um, and that sort of base price is, is, is creeping up. Um, and so on, you know, on top of the hardware, on top of the games, you want to play online with people. Um, it, is, it is going up. And we're in a cost of living crisis, Steve. Well, quite. And we're, <laughs> we're in the midst of, uh, of inflation, you know, uh, that's as, bad as it's been for the last 20, 30 years, uh, which doesn't just affect your food, but it affects everything else because all of the companies have to pay those increased costs. Now, I think as well as that, a lot of the companies that are existing on subscription, such as uh, Netflix, have been doing it at a loss, right? A lot of these uh, VC-backed companies come in and the way they... Uh, the way they capture the market is by offering their their product really, really low. And then when they've got rid of everyone else, then they can jack up the price. And we're seeing that like in the subscription TV market, a lot of those services have, you know, Netflix uh, has gone up again quite recently, I think, and they're cutting down on their share. You know, you don't have to share your sub anymore. Disney have just uh, announced a big increase as well. And it's getting to the point personally where I'm like, cool, now I actually do have to think about which ones I subscribe to. Uh, again, um, now I'm not a PlayStation uh, Plus subscriber anymore. I let mine lapse uh, a few years ago, 
Um, but I imagine, yeah, you'll get to a point, a similar point with these services. Are you are you being forced to make any hard decisions right now, Simon, about what you subscribe to? Well, um, on the console front, I let my Nintendo subscription lapse. Um, you know, it was really lovely having access to a load of um, uh, Game Boy and N64 games that I knew that I could play but didn't mm-hmm. during all the time that I was subscribed. Um, so I let that lapse. I think the only loss there is that I don't play Splatoon anymore. Um, and PlayStation, I've let lapse, let lapse as well. Um, yeah, I only keep up Game Pass. Um, mm. That's part of, you know, Dexter. Um, I did let it lapse for two or three days. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I generally hear from my son now when he's either in trouble, um, <laughs> wants money, or would like a lift. Uh, but the fourth scenario is when an online subscription service for his preferred console, Xbox, <laughs> interferes. Uh, because he's using um, uh, Xbox Live as a way of sort of keeping up with his mates. So, mm. um, so yeah, I very promptly resubscribed to that. So, yeah, that's the only one that I keep going. Mm. Uh, I I don't feel compelled to subscribe to any of these things at the moment. It's 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 not for me. I did I, I went into Nintendo for exactly the same reason that you said uh, that it did seem like oh, it seems so nice the idea that I might play these things which I never played and then let them go. And I wonder whether this is something that we're going to see more of the the, the analyst there said um, you know it stands to make Sony what six hundred million or something like that. But that only lasts for as long as people's credit cards don't fall out of date, right? Um, yeah. I I found myself in a really weird position a couple of weeks ago where um, somebody was like, oh, the Nintendo 64 Switch controllers are back in stock. And hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't get one of those. Um, yeah, okay. Maybe I will. And then I thought, you don't, you never played those games when you had access mm-hmm. to them in the, f- why are you doing this? Mm. So I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> All right. uh, and, now, and now they're out of stock, and I'm slightly uh, regretting it. Um, which, how, so how are you? Um, how are you culling your subscription services then? Your your video ones. What 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 sort of criteria are you applying? So, um, seems to me that Netflix, which was the first one I subscribed to, is the one that uh, the one that is most at risk. Is it? Yeah. Is but they announced they're bringing all of Batman the animated series um, across mm. the, the end of September. I know, and I couldn't care less about that, or indeed most of what is on Netflix. It's um, it's always the one I go to, and it's always the one that I end up scrolling through infinitely uh, and not finding anything. I'm not really interested in any of their gaming content, aside from the fact that they have. Um, bought Spry Fox, uh, who are one of my gaming studios, and I'm more interested in that. In that kind of, you know, that soft way when you know something in the future is going to annoy you, and you're just keeping track of it until it does, and then you can go, "Oh, I'm so annoyed." I feel like that's what's going to happen there. So I think it's Netflix that's uh, most. Ri- Disney have done the smart thing, really, which is okay. make it. Well, yeah, you can't. I can't. I have a four-year-old daughter. I cannot Ooh. let my Disney subscription laps or won't be able to get the latest episodes of bluey will i true true Mm. yeah what about you simon for video yeah same i mean well disney for the exactly the same reasons and Mm. to watch frozen (laughs) and the disney films uh netflix you know they had 
So they've got Matilda at the moment, which we're paying £12 a month to rent. Mm. <laughs> it's very good. Um, and Amazon Prime seems to have all of the shouty, uh, the, the the shows where people shout at each other all the time. Yeah. Um, some people are shouting at each other in Florida. Some people are shouting at each other in America. <laughs> some people are shouting at each other on a boat. Um, they seem to be always on in our house. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, I think I'm tied in. Sony's new remote play device, the PlayStation Portal, is set to launch on November 15th in select markets, with pre-orders kicking off from September 29th. This gizmo, which comes with a price tag of $199, 99 slash euro 219, 99 slash pound 199. 99 lets users stream <laughs> games from their PS5 console. It's perfect for those who need to share their TV or fancy playing in different rooms. However, it's important to remember that the portal isn't a standalone gaming device and won't support cloud streaming or PSVR 2 games. So if you're considering getting one, you'd better have a PS5 at the ready, folks. But let's be honest, I'm too tight to shell out for one of these. Instead, you'll find me gleefully playing my pricey PlayStation 5 for free. Who needs a portal when you've got a PS5, right? It's like buying a Ferrari and then paying for a bicycle to ride around the garage. <laughs> um... I went over summer. I went back to my parents' place uh, in St Anne's near Blackpool, and I was directed towards their garage where there were a series of boxes. And in those boxes were all of my, basically all of my childhood, uh, which they had removed from the loft. And they said, You deal with this. And in those boxes, were mostly 2000 ADs, loads of 2000 ADs, loads of 2000 AD books, loads of 2000 AD comics, uh, and Star Wars figures. And for a, a long time, I'd, I mean, I, you know, I knew these Star Wars figures, these old, original, you know, 70s and 80s Star Wars figures were kicking around. And I thought, this is going to be good because I'm going to go back, see them, and they're going to yeah. be worth a fortune on yeah. eBay. Um, especially because Simon, in the in the nineties, pre Star Wars becoming cool again, and then not becoming cool, uh, I went through a period of collecting them from old junk stores. So I have a lot, right, a lot of a lot of this stuff. Um, so I sat there, sat, set up my laptop, got ready to, you know, look at this. Here's an Ewok. I'll just search on search on eBay. How much is Ewok? Oh, he's he's not worth very much. All right, his Princess Leia in Hoth gear. Hello. Not worth very much. All right, well, here's Princess Leia in her Endor gear, boxed. 15 quid. Okay. Really, really disappointed um, in in that. Uh, but what I learned from it, uh, so from, from Googling, like, what Star Wars figures were, uh, you know, rare and actually worth anything. None of this stuff was worth anything. Don't know what I'm going to do with it now. Um but what I learned was the ones that are rare are the ones that no one wanted at the time. So your Ewoks, absolutely no, everyone wanted them. They're cuddly, they're cute, they're merchandise. Everyone had the Ewoks, everyone had Leia, hat, but the weird ones that, you know, are just filler, background things, they're worth more because no one bought them, right? And especially in their box. And there's a set um, that I saw that was worth, I don't know, or say worth, people were paying 2,000 quid for something like that, which is some kind of machinery that's in the background of a Jabba the Hutt scene and it comes with a couple of figures as well um, I learned this again going through my uh, my video games when I moved them from 
well, you know, my old house to my new house. Most of the stuff there, mint in box, not worth a lot. But the weird games that no one bought um, suddenly accrued, you know, like, I don't know, Gaelic sports football from 2000. If you're a PlayStation 2 completist, very hard to get hold of that. Um, what I'm saying is, Simon, I Charles is saying he can't think of a reason to, uh, you know, he doesn't want to splash out on this. Well, I think as an investment opportunity, buying one of these things and keep, keeping it mint in box, burying it in the garden for 20 years, <laughs> is you will... I'm betting now, and we can refer to this in 20 years on episode 1000 of One Life Left, I'm betting that will at least double in value. Um, because who's who's going to buy one of these things? Hello. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't done. I haven't done. Um, I'm surprised. I'm not going to, Steve. I'm not going to. Uh, well, why would you? Give me a use case. Playing uh, PlayStation 5 games, which I don't do anyway, but in, <laughs> knowing that I could play them in my lounge, which isn't where the PlayStation... Have you seen the size of a PlayStation? I went round... Um, I mean, I forgot. Ours is um, in a in a unit mm-hmm. um in the uh what we what we call the den it's the front mm-hmm. room i don't know why we call it the den um so i'm not sort of regularly reminded about how big it is but we went around at some people's houses during the weekend and um they've got a playstation 5 and it's under it, it's it's stood on a tv unit and honestly it dominates the room Mm. So it's difficult to move when you do want to play your PlayStation 5 game. So just imagine streaming that on a device that is, you know, which looks like a screen right. um, wedged in between two sides of a dual sense controller uh, mm-hmm. and just being able to do it in the comfort of your own other room. I mean, the device looks appalling as it well. It does look appalling, doesn't it? It's, so it's, you could it's put- cheaper. I mean, it's expensive, but it's cheaper than I was expecting from them. Because they know no one's going to buy it. They've got this thing that has somehow been... You know when Homer Simpson designs the car? <laughs> that somehow has ended up on, on, on the shop floor and they're like, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to sell it? Your use case is you could stick your PS5 up in the loft yep. uh, with the cables. Boxed. That, boxed. Yeah, boxed keep it in the box. So the, yeah. <laughs> And then you, you could, could sell it later on. You could get one of these, cut a hole yeah. in the box as well, yeah. play it inside <laughs> the box, yeah, and play it downstairs. You could get your um, your cabling man. What's his name? Uh, TV John. TV John to cable it, it all on. Yeah, yeah, properly. yeah, yeah. It's perfect. But other than you, I don't see a single use case for this. It would be so. I think it will be interesting to see what uh, people can do with the device once it's in their hands. If you Mm -hmm. can open it up and do anything else with it, then let's see. Um, You know, I'm still disappointed that no one's found ways of being able to put um, additional games on the old uh, Game & Watch that they Mm -hmm. reissued. Um, uh, So, yeah, when I remember to look to see whether anybody's uh, managed to do that, they haven't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Yeah, I, it, it's such a weird-looking device with such a, a specific uh, use That's the case. other thing. Like you say, you know, oh, well, maybe someone will hack it and you can run your Steam games or whatever on it. But like the Nokia, like the, what was it called? The side the N-Gage. thing. The N-Gage. Yeah. You'd just be embarrassed to have it. Like, it just looks stupid. 
Well, that's the thing. So this is the sort of device you'd be embarrassed to use on the tube. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, guys? You can't. can't because it, do it. <laughs> because it doesn't work out ahead of you. Exactly. You don't want to use it on the tube, we won't let you. <laughs> Maybe that's why they've done it. In a shocking twist, Saints Row developer Volition has been given the old heave-ho shutting down immediately. After 30 years of crafting digital delights, the studio's journey has been as turbulent as my Aunt Mildred's attempts at online dating. From its early days as parallax software to being passed around like a hot potato during THQ's bankruptcy, and finally landing in the lap of Embracer Group. Despite the Saints Row series being their crowning glory, recent lukewarm receptions to their games have led to this unfortunate game over. Embracer is now offering job assistance to the displaced Volition team. Chin up, chaps. However, I must say, I would never consider selling Revolution to Embracer, given their questionable track record, unless, of course, the price is right. <laughs> um, this is this is terrible news. Uh, really, you know, heart goes out to everyone at Volition. Heart doesn't go out to the person who I saw from Embracer posting something about how devastated they were that they had had to do this and offering job assistance to the people uh, uh Volition, which I'm sure came as cold comfort to anyone from Volition who read that um, on LinkedIn as well. Nobody asked any of Embracer to do any of this stuff uh, mm. and these consequences of uh, overvaluing a group uh, and then having to pander to the whims of uh, shareholders has resulted in some real um, some real hardship. Yeah, it's awful. I um, yeah, like you, heart, heart goes out. You know, after so long, for it to just become a victim of an accounting exercise seems. Mm-hmm. Um, appalling i was surprised though by the ai's uh by charles bott's uh description given the heave heave ho is uh, how charles described it and i did think that maybe that is an indication of what ai thinks of us all losing our jobs thanks mm. to what they're up to so i just giving the human race a heave ho um <laughs> but uh but yeah um appalling situation um that uh, was absolutely not the fault uh, of anybody at volition i would imagine that uh, you know, anybody Saints- at volition well, so I would imagine that Saints Row, or the most recent iteration of it, which you know we left on a cliffhanger last time we spoke, I was I, I had pre-ordered. Mm. Um, I played it for a couple of hours. It is very bad, but right. um, the people at Volition, I don't think, will have set out to make that game. It's the victim of circumstances, the victim of timing, resource, mm. and direction that comes from you know uh, some uh, comes from some, someone else's hands that they find themselves in. Quite and. That's kind of the point. It's certainly the you know the quality of that game is dependent on a million different things, but the sale of Volition to Embracer is dependent on some people at Volition. Oh, who probably aren't there anyway now. Correct. Right. So, so yeah. Um, so uh, you know, technically, uh, my description still stands. Um, yeah, you know, somebody would have done very well out of it and left everybody behind, and that's um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a great look. I don't know where this ends or, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the sort of crazy times that we saw where stuff was being massively overvalued mm. um, and, you know, people were just grabbing things left, right and centre. But there's been an op- awful lot of casualties out there and it's, it's heartbreaking to see. Elder Scrolls enthusiasts, prepare yourselves for a lengthy wait. Bethesda has verified that Elder Scrolls 6 is still in its early stages of development and information about the game won't be disclosed until a few years post the launch of Starfield. It seems that the studio's attention is currently centred on Starfield, which is slated to launch this week for some who pre-ordered. The announcement of the fantasy sequel 
may have been premature, as series director Todd Howard has expressed some regret. So make a cup of tea, get comfortable with Starfield, and master the ancient art of patience. Elder Scrolls VI will be worth the wait, hopefully. We can only hope that Eurogamer is still around when Elder Scrolls VI launches, so that Bethesda won't have the chance to withhold a review copy from them again. Um, this is not directly related to that, but somewhat. Did you see someone stormed the stage at um, Jeff KeeleyCon around Gamescom to demand information about uh, GTA 6? <laughs> I didn't see that, no, Steve. I was with everyone else not watching it. Yeah, but, um, Ke- Keely, <laughs> Keely said he was very disappointed. Oh, in, in no. Very somebody, dis- somebody disappointed Keely. Someone ruined his big day. He'd been looking oh. forward to, <laughs> to the trailers that people had paid to be aired during this thing for so long. And, yeah, for someone to... Someone oh, that's to come, awful. Is he, has anybody checked in on Keely? Is he all right? <laughs> someone should. If you're listening, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Just let us know. Let us know you're okay. Uh, well, this is obvious. Yeah, uh, Starfield, a big thing, clearly intended to be there next Skyrim. Uh, and now they'll uh, support it for a bit, um, iron out some of the bugs, and while they're doing that, ease over to development of the next Elder Scrolls game. Um, probably shouldn't have talked about Elder Scrolls Six as early as they did, but really, does it matter? Because you crazy to not think they were working on that so well yes and um charles doesn't quite get the joke right at the end of it but the point of this was like um the media was up in arms particularly particularly the uk media was Mm -hmm. up in arms that they um, had not received copies of starfield for review when many other outlets had done and it there seemed to be the implication that um Bethesda um, and or Microsoft had uh, carefully selected who would uh, receive access to it um, in time to prepare an assessment of the game and uh, lots of chat over Twitter, um, etc. about, you know, whether this is uh, the right thing to do, whether ethically it's right, um, etc. Now, the point is, no one... Um, has any divine right to receiving pre-release code, right? That That is at the publisher's discretion, the developer's discretion, absolutely. They can do what they want with it. They don't have to do anything. But what the media can do is learn from this and choose whether the next game, for example, will be covered in such salacious tones prior <laughs> to launch and then be surprised again when they don't get review copy. And, and I think that the whole, th- this moment in time would be a really useful opportunity for certain press outlets to go, cool, you want coverage of your game? Uh, let's have some guarantees in future because mm. uh, you know the relationship between publishers and developers should be open, honest and, and all of that sort of stuff. And nothing should come as a surprise to any media outlets i'm not sure exactly what happened with starfield here but there were a lot of uk outlets that were very unhappy with it who are now still going but look though elder, Sox, <laughs> elder scrolls 6 is coming and you're like guys have you learned no lessons yeah yeah um i i, I saw some talk around this avoided most of the press around starfield because i want to be surprised by it and i guess we'll talk about that later in the show um but it is Honestly, that cycle, Simon, has been going on since you were in PR and I was a journalist, and uh, I don't think it's going to break anytime soon. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Charles Botts. One life left, video game news with me.
Charles bought 1.1. You are listening to One Life Left, broadcasting live-ish on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, We're also a podcast. You can find the podcast at www.onelifeleft.com. It's been put together, edited and produced by our under-caretaker, Phil, who isn't around right now. It's probably Hmm. for the best, just uh, easing back into this before we have his, his eyes watching over us. Uh, he puts together the show notes. You can find loads of useful links there and details about the show. You can also go to hello.onelifeleft.com. So Gamescom then, Steve, tell us about your trip. I went out to Gamescom to do some business, Simon. <laughs> Did um, you? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. This is 12th, 13th, I don't know, 15th. I, I don't know. I, I've been to Gamescom for every year. I can remember since back when it was in Leipzig, I've never really enjoyed it. Um, It's always too busy and it's always too hot. Uh, Gamescom now overlaps with DevCom, which is a developer conference which happens on the first few days of the week. Um, And then slowly the conference gets going. In the back end of the week, they start slowly admitting the public on, I think, on the Thursday. It's Thursday retail day and then Friday public day something like that saturday it gets intense i was there from the tuesday i was there with you from the tuesday to the friday and stayed away from the show show floor in the main uh because even with uh without the public there it's quite intense popped on to see the indie booths say hello to some friends uh, but mostly stayed in the business area and i do quite enjoy the business area part of it because there's a little stand for every country in the world that's making games. Uh, and some of the stands have things to give away, and they try and attract you there, like, uh, as we both know, the Swiss stand, good for chocolate. Lovely chocolates. Um, and if you tell them that you're a quarter Swiss, they give you socks. And actually, at GDC, they gave me a Swiss army knife. <laughs> yeah. Super useful. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always, it's, it is quite nice, Uh isolating those moments from the hellscape of Gamescom proper to wander around, see friends, catch up and see some games that you haven't uh, seen or heard of. It's really nice to see, for example, our friends at Krillbyte working on Fruit Bus. It's great to see that uh, there. Uh, good to see friend of the show, Tony Gowland, working the actual show floor. He was uh, very hard. golf there as well. So I enjoyed that bit. enjoyed seeing you. And I also enjoyed doing two Marioki shows in two nights, uh, the first one, slightly unexpectedly, we were only booked a couple of weeks before to do the uh, Nordic party, um, booked by the Swedish Game Association. Had a really, really nice time there. And then the day after, running Marioki's very first ever independently run um, party uh, at a at Cologne's, I think, 122nd best nightclub. Neo Club Um, and yeah it was a great night really really busy and fun night singing stupid pop songs about video games it was sandwiched between two um, two venues which caught my eye on Google Mm -hmm. Maps when I was um, working out uh, how to get there I walked there uh, from my hotel Um, and uh, it was sandwiched on the left I think was the Diamond Club Mm -hmm. and on the right of the venue was something called Naughty Party. 
Now, um, <laughs> what I thought was interesting about this, Simon, was mm. not just that information, but mm. when I looked on Google Maps, it didn't yep. show me those things. Now, we know that Google tailors the things it brings out of the maps to your uh, history. Right. <laughs> so it thinks you're naughty. It puts some buildings in there, does it? <laughs> it's just yeah. the maps. I'm not sure what you're trying to imply there, Steve, but uh, I've never been to Diamond Club or Naughty Party before. You didn't in know fact, they existed before I that. didn't know they existed. No, I didn't. I have to say, I was a bit wary. I got there early um, before uh, you were having some problems setting up, so I did um, yeah. find a bar. Uh, nearby, I went quite far away from Diamond Club and Naughty mm-hmm. Party. Did you? Uh, because there did seem to be a lot of people sat outside. Um, I think it was Naughty Party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They looked very naughty. I have to did say, they? did they? they? Did yeah. <sighs> so, okay. Um, well, yeah. I'm glad that eventually we let you in. Um, although. Uh, didn't you get stopped on the door? Or was that the other party where you got stopped on the door? You said, oh, I invented Marioki. Look at my face. Right. I, so that, you're, 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 mis- was that you're misremembering something. And I, and I never said it. <laughs> to be fair to me, I never said it. It's the closest I've ever come to saying it. It's the closest, honestly. But I felt, and I felt bad about it afterwards. But somebody tried to sell me. They said, oh, have you got a ticket to Marioki? And I went, no. And they went, that's no problem. You can buy one. And I went, I'm not buying one. <laughs> and they went, why? And that's the closest I've, uh, I've ever come to saying something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was very close. And I felt disgusted. <laughs> Sent myself straight to Naughty Party. Um, but I didn't. I just said, oh, Steve said I could come, which is, mm. which again ranks as one of the most degrading things I've ever said out loud. <laughs> The whole thing left a really bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> and that's one of our Marioki quotes, headline quotes on the page uh, from now on. Uh, the whole thing is in a bad taste. It, now. it was good, though, wasn't it? We had a good, good night. Times. I took some of my Yogg's colleagues, mm. um, and they had a brilliant time. Uh, one described it as the best night so far, best, year, best night of the year so far. Well, well, hopefully... And that was in August. That's quite a stuff. It's over yeah, halfway. No, it's not. I would have accepted that. If someone had said that about us in February, I'd been yep. like, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, but August, that's that's good news. We we will be doing, got a couple more gigs planned. Um, one we're going to do in Bristol, uh, which is going to be announced today. I think it's on the 26th or 27th. We're doing our thing on the 26th, right? We are, yeah. yeah. So 27th, we're down in Bristol on the 27th. And then on, uh, then we'll be doing another show in London around about EGX time. Uh, some conversations about booking a venue for that this afternoon. So that's exciting. How was the rest of your Gamescom, Simon? I enjoyed it. I did venture out to the uh, consumer bit on the Wednesday morning, which, when, um, which was before the public had been um, admitted. Um, I took a walk around with the plate up gang, uh, which was great. Uh, we had a look around at stuff, um, and then we grabbed something to drink, and then I left them. Uh, and I popped over the road uh, to um, sort out a booking for dinner that night. Sorry, this is a Tuesday. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Wednesday. No, what's Wednesday? Um, and uh, I saw the public queuing up to get in. And I sent a uh, picture through to Alistair and went. 
be prepared to get out of yeah. there because mm. it looks absolutely insane. Um, I, I always like refreshing um, and sort of resetting um, my enthusiasm levels at events like this. When you see the passion driven by people that are going mm. to these events and the desperation like to run and play the newest stuff, and that's and that's and that's really really good. But uh, um, yeah, I didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I scurried back to the business area. Yeah, pretty there is quickly. Certainly nothing wrong with these people as individuals, but as <laughs> You know, 200,000 people rushing in. It's somewhere you don't want to be. The, um, the thing I found this year was that it's more than ever, um, I found the business halls impossible to navigate. It was almost as, if, almost as if every day they moved them around. That's what we were saying. Is this procedurally generated? <laughs> it was just impossible to know where you were and where you needed to be next. Yeah, which which made it really hard to avoid the gaze of the woman running the Swiss stand every time I went by there to nick Math chocolate. Mouthful of chocolate. Yeah, because I'd be like, right, this time I'll pass by on the north side of it and swoop by. Suddenly her stand would be facing that way. She'd be looking directly at me. It swivels. It's like the sentinel. <laughs> Needs Sw- to. Yeah. Needs um, to. Did you, uh, I did think, actually, I had, a, I had a lot of productive meetings. It was great to bump into people uh, here and there, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, I did uh, make a quick sweep around for some tat for Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um I had a meeting with uh, Valve on the Wednesday morning, I think it was, before I got to the show. And, then I, and that's always good. It's always good to catch up with yeah. them. I learned a lot from them this year. Um, there's a talk that they're going to be putting online, uh, which I'm very keen to see. But, yeah, it's good to catch up with them. Um, but they're like, oh, you know, thanks for coming. I'm like, yeah, and of course. And, um, my, my son really loves your uh, T-shirts. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah, go and, go and grab one there now. And I felt, I felt rude, that being the first thing that I did with them. Uh, but I did. I got Dexter as a, a Steam teacher, which he collected yesterday. He's very happy with that. But um, I have to say, the quality of Tat um, wasn't wasn't anything like uh, GDC mm. this year. Um, you know, stickers, sure. I'll pass those on to my five year old. She doesn't know what this character <laughs> is or who it does. It might be, you know, morally questionable, but uh, she will stick it on some paper and do a drawing around it. No problem at all. Um, but yeah, there weren't any sort of you know uh, fans with laser logos on. Um, <laughs> I did uh, manage to pick up the um, one uh, USB lead, which has got three outputs on it, uh, which um, will will come in handy, I'm sure. But that was the that was the tat highlight, although I can't remember the company name, so unfortunately that tat didn't work. I returned home with two pieces of tat. One. Definitely not tat. Uh, an envelope uh, from full of friend, money. Friend of the show, Runa, who is at Hyper Games, who are making the Moomin game, Snufkin, uh, which my daughter is very excited about. She uh, made Alice a little envelope full of Moomin stickers, so that was great. Uh, that Lovely. Made, that made my uh, Gamescom trip. Uh, it it paid for my Gamescom trip in sort yep. of goodwill terms. Yep. Uh, but the other one from. Exsolar, you know who Exsolar are? I do, yeah. Payment, um, payment technology providers. Look what they gave me. Oh, a lovely, a lovely little, little Lego character that says, "Enjoy the game." Um, and that reminds me, actually, I saw a lot of slogans around the business mm-hmm. area, um, which 
I don't know, many of them didn't make make sense. I mean, like, <laughs> so enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. You know, you're a payment services provider. Congratulations. You've just got a mention on One Life Left for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one T-shirt you could buy which said, I paused my game to be here. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That's if, So if I went up to you and said, I mean, I can understand the sentiment of it. Like I'm saying, oh, I play loads of games, but I pause them to come here because it's, you know, it's, it's great. Um, you go to that person who's wearing that T-shirt and say, hey, uh, what are you playing at the moment? And they go, my game. <laughs> like, just some weird the one combination I saw, of words. The, only, the one that I saw that game. I took a photo of was the one on the Korea stand, as in K-O-R-E-A, the country rather mm. than Korea. Um, Korea's slogan is what's more games (laughs) so just to be clear on the grammar here uh, it's a question the first two questions what's more question mark and then with no punctuation games what's more who who could argue with that games games uh you should mention the uh the conversation that you overheard um from the oh. business <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna get the i'm gonna get the words wrong slightly uh <laughs> i i walked past i walked past a a man you know how when you when you're walking around these things you hear these snippets of conversation um like uh, NPCs in a in a open world video game, and sometimes they are perfectly. You just hear the beginning of it exactly like that, and it's too perfect. So I walked past a man who had just bumped into a woman who had seen, I suppose, the previous day at the show, and he went, "A new outfit every day." <laughs> <laughs> What's more, games? My favorite said that. I should I should establish she wasn't wearing clothes. Clothes are more than games. She wasn't wearing cosplay or anything. She was just in a different business suity thing. I just so that he, he makes was, you wonder what he was wearing. He was what the his, previous three know, days. And how many days yeah. he didn't go for. Anyway, games gone. Twenty twenty three, done. Yes, and uh, good news, by the way, I risked a lot. Because the level of TAT uh, was so uh, poor, apart from the USB uh, one input, three outputs, thank you, whichever company that was, um, I was looking for something to supplement the stickers for my daughter. And at the airport... Oh, I saw um, this. Well, they had a couple of uh, blind boxes um, of various things. You could pick up Lego Princesses or Frozen. Uh, so they uh, they were uh, 20 euros each, and they had... Uh, random things in them now challenge course mm. is that you know you don't want to go oh hi you know I've, I've been away for a few days really missed you here here are some things here are some frozen blind boxes mm-hmm. um and she opens it and it's olaf and sven mm. um but anyway i, I you know needs must i was running out of options steve it was either that I, or a, i saw or, or a baguette from the sandwich <laughs> shop because those were the only two retail outlets left um i picked up two Got him home. She was very excited mm. uh, because it's become a, a tradition when I go away to business shows that I, I bring back some tap for her and some to Dexter. Mm. Uh, and so uh, she, oh, can we open them now? First one opened up. It was Arna. Okay. 
Now, you know, okay, well, look, I'm halfway there. At least it's mm. not just Olaf and the Sven um, or Christoph or what have you, but that's Arna. But imagine, it would just be my luck if you open again. It's the same Arna. Mm. Double Arna. It was Elsa. Come on! Oh. The Gamescom gods were shining on me. Everybody was happy. Congratulations, Simon. Successful event. Um, we are really, we've got 10 minutes to deal with yes. the letters and the... Oh. Did you I forget forgot. the letters? I did forget about the letters. All right, let's quickly do the letters. We definitely had a letter from Chris Conroy. Okay, I was looking in the Discord. Uh, okay, you... I'll find the one in the email. Okay. Um, I mean, this is this is great, great, great. I mean, we haven't done it for a while, have we? And of course, no, it's we haven't. Letters. All right, um, I can I was... do Chris's now, if you want. Do it. Dear Summer Holidays team, SSG in absentia and presumably still omnipresent, Charles Bot 1.1. In an effort to pry myself away from whatever incremental mobile game was consuming my spare cycles, battery and patience, I finally gritted my teeth and installed a game that had lurked on the Play Store recommendation for a long time, but which I had convinced myself I wasn't going to enjoy and was surprised to find that Retro Bowl was a really fun combination of management sim and simple one-finger sports arcade game loved it seven out of ten with a newfound recklessness and spirit of adventure i then bought baba is you a game you hipsters might have heard of but one that i'd long ago decided sounded too much like pseudo coder human resource management which was fun until it wasn't and so wasn't my thing turns out that's a great seven out of ten game if only there was some way of knowing why has it taken me so long to get over my prejudgment? A glut of mobile games with a huge sprawling middle ground of very average quality, play to win, microtransactions, shoddy knockoffs, poor play store descriptions, images, and unreliable reviews are major contributing factors. But the biggest barrier was obviously my own interpretation of what I thought the game was, rather than what it actually is. I could ask you whether you think we're in a hiatus between golden eras of mobile gaming, and maybe you could give us a publisher's view on, on this. But I'm also curious to know if you've ever found yourself on the wrong side of your own poor judgment. Your careening to conclusions correspondent, Chris Conroy. What a great question, Chris, and one deserved of a a fuller answer than I fear (laughs) you're about to get. Uh, Wrong side of your own poor judgment. Um... Yeah, definitely all the time. Uh, You know, as (laughs) pertaining to games, there are games that I've sulked about for ages and decided not to play. Often, though, that's not because I don't think they'll be mine. Sometimes I want to step back from the hype cycle. Um, I think No Man's Sky was sort of one of those, although I wasn't playing games involving shooting at the time. But I decided to. that would be a good excuse as well to come back and then really, really loved it when I did get involved. Um, what else? What, what's, a, what's a game that people love and that you think I wouldn't? Well, uh, I Everything. just like all the Dark Souls games. Um, uh, the one that I bounced off many times was uh, Dishonored. It took me mm. eight, uh, it took me five or six goes to to uh, play that properly. But once it got into me, uh, I was hooked. Um, I don't know what, why my judgment was so poor then. I think Fez I was a bit sniffy at at the time and then played it and then I was like, yeah, this is really good. It's really, really well balanced. Celeste as well. Like Celeste, I thought I've played all this before. I've d- I've done all this sort of thing. I don't need another game like this. But it's just such nice, compact challenges. 
uh, and the right side of frustrating and fast restarts that I, yeah, ended up really, really enjoying it. Seven out of ten. Uh, we do have some more letters in the uh, Discord. We're going to need to deal with those next week. Uh, so I deal with them. We'll need to give them the space and time that they deserve. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you for uh, posting them. Uh, if you've got any more thoughts, comments, questions, queries, uh, please do either email team at onelifeleft.com or stick it in the mailbag channel on the Discord. It is time for the reviews. Well, this is going to be a challenge, isn't it? We've got six minutes to deal with two of the biggest games of the year. Well, I want to talk about one that I did play and did enjoy uh, before um, I got into that, uh, which was On Guard, the swashbuckling action game, which came out uh, during our summer break. Um, Mm -hmm. It's uh, very much sort of Three Musketeers meets old school Prince of Persia in in the way that it feels uh, funny, uh, highly playable action game in which uh, you um, uh, use sort of Arkham inspired combat but with a much heavier environmental um uh, level of interaction so as you're taking on groups of sword fighters uh, you're able to kick over barrels pull down shelves um trigger different um, environmental hazards which makes uh, each sort of uh, section um as much of a puzzle as it is um, a test of sort of wit and reaction. Um, I really enjoyed it. I found it quite difficult in places, but that's because um, you do need to uh, pull um, individuals away from a horde in order to sort of tackle with them. But once you get into that mindset, uh, it's a lot of fun. Looks great. Um, doesn't last too long. Great sense of humour. Uh, highly playable. At seven out of ten. Thoroughly recommend it. Uh, I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 and I've sunk an awful lot of time into it, maybe 100 hours over the summer, um, and I really, really enjoy it. I'm not going to go into the reasons why. Um, You can find some of those on the Discord. We've been chatting about it it on the One Life Left Discord, but it's basically really well made and there's a lot of interesting stories and you can, inside this quite rigid narrative structure find ways to play it yourself and impose your own narrative on that narrative i think it does that really really well i've also been consistently surprised at the smart or accidental solutions that i find to problems in the game however uh one it's quite hard to discuss with friends because they have taken different routes through and you kind of don't want to spoil bits for them that they haven't seen yet or spoil things for yourself so that's been slightly frustrating for me um and ultimately i am at the end of act two and ended up in a fight that is not avoidable and i've tried it a couple of times and both times i failed last night i've tried it and got to what i thought was the end having grinded through and saved every time something went well so you know almost cheating my way through it and then a big door opened and more people came out and i thought (laughs) f it like i i I can't be doing with this. I'm not enjoying that part. And I really want to play that game more. I do, but I don't want to have to do that fight. And so I quit uh, and loaded Starfield. Seven out of 10 for Baldur's Gate 3. Simon. So we won't have the time to cover uh, full thoughts on Starfield at the moment. Um, I will say I'm really enjoying it um, from the start. Um, I'm finding, um, I'm playing it on the ally and it, it runs fantastically well. Uh, so the ability to sort of pop it on, play for a few minutes, turn it off. Uh, very, very happy with that. Um, I do have a question though, Steve, how do mm. I know, uh, what hazards are on a planet so that I can equip the right space suit? No idea. Uh, 
I said that to I mean, yeah. I So I've been playing it. I've been enjoying bits of it. But I've found a couple of pieces in it curiously designed. Like, like there are some design decisions I do not understand. Um, there are some ropey bits. Like, uh, like, really ropey. As in, you can... Uh, I was being attacked by some space T-Rexes. I just hid behind a knee-high grate and just shot them. Uh, and my AI companion died a few times, just got up, then shot at them and died a few times, then got up again because they can't afford to lose her because she's integral to the story. Just stuff like that, like undercuts this huge, incredible achievement. Almost all the incredible stuff you're kind of blasé about. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm just hopping between planets and they're massive and I can go anywhere and do all of this stuff. But I've seen all that before because I've played No Man's Sky. And then the little things that, you know, the inventory management is cumbersome. And one last thing I want to say, the hard crash from the beautiful, clever, smart dialogue of Baldur's Gate 3, really well written into the generic... Um, bland nonsense of Starfield has been pretty tough for me. Like, it is not compelling or, in my opinion, really well written. Um, uh, the, it's not affecting me because I'm not doing the story. I'm effing off to a planet and just, you know, <laughs> fighting um, Steve, have you not heard? Before. have you not heard the recommendations from Todd, who said no. that he recommends that you mainline the quest... Yeah, I'm not in order to that. get the most from the game. I mean, you know, that's good game design when you need to take some tell people how to quote from an interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, apparently it's design. It's um, yeah, you get more from it the more of the main quests you do at the start. Which um, is not what I enjoyed about Skyrim. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not. Gonna we quit, will see. But I'm not impressed yet. Seven out of ten. Good. Uh, most. Uh, that's it, Steve. I'm sure I was going to tell you end. one of my observations. I'm going to have to save that. Um, I'm so sorry. No. That's it. It's good to be back, Simon. Sorry for the ending. Yeah, sorry for the ending, everyone. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks to Resonance so much. Missed you. And thanks to everyone for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. No problem.